This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. I just want to share with you briefly, uh, don't worry, I'm only going to be two and a half hours, um, and <laughs> I just uh, want to share with you just briefly uh, some thoughts that I put together for this idea of Mother's Day. So why don't we pray first, and then we're going to jump right in. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you uh, that you are faithful, that you are good. And Lord, we thank you for every mother in this place, Lord Jesus. I thank you for the purpose and the calling you have over their lives. And we pray, God, that you would just uh, bless them today. Speak to all of us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, I was uh, looking at different job skills that a mother may need. And uh, this is what I found. Are you guys ready? The job skills necessary included, but not limited to, would be housekeeper, daycare center, teacher, cook, computer operator, laundry machine operator, janitor, facilities manager, chief executive officer, van driver, psychologist, interior designer, hairstylist, administrative assistant, event planner, bookkeeper, general maintenance worker, groundskeeper, nutritionist, staff nurse, plumber, not to forget, and uh, logistics analyst. Um, it requires more than 100, 135 hours per week, constant mobility, keen coordination, and adapt communication. Overnight shifts may be necessary. There's no breaks, nor holidays, uh, and you must be willing to be on call 24-7 quite often and need to be able to do the job in any position, which includes standing, sitting, laying, crawling at times, and, and all of that. Training is usually very limited, if any. Um, Salary is none, and uh, benefits would be lots of hugs and kisses. It is the job of a mother. And so uh, for those uh, mothers out there, can I say that mom, spelt upside down, is wow. Everyone say, wow. Are you guys awake this morning? Okay. Well, for those of you who think that that mom goggles video is a joke, it's not. It's, uh, that's the way it is. Moms have a special ability and a special place to be able to see the greatness in their kids' lives. Um, I thought, I was thinking about the role of a mother in the year 2016. And I thought, you know, really it's, um, we have a lot to deal with. Would you guys agree? Okay. Well, why do you agree? <laughs> oh, that's it. That's good. That's good. That's good. This is a great thing on Mother's Day. That's that's good boy. Good answer. Good answer. So, so but I will say this: we we constantly have challenges um, as mothers in 2016. You know, we're juggling all these things. If you think of it, we're uh, juggling practi- practical scheduling challenges like school work, homework. I have five kids. Do you know how much time I spend helping with homework alone? That could be a full time job. Um, and yeah, and then there's activities. There's housework. There's social media issues thrown into the mix and all that stuff that we need to regulate and do and follow up on and keep in touch with. And, and then there's careers, there's our home, there's this idea of equality, I will say, is a great thing. There's been a lot of things that have been, been put into place over the last uh, few decades, really, that have brought us to a place where there's some fairness and equality. But, but can I say this, and can I be completely honest? I think sometimes the idea of equality pushes us over the edge and puts pressures on us as women and as mothers that, that maybe are undue pressures. 
You can, okay, you can throw your tomatoes now, it's all right. Uh, but I think sometimes this idea of equality is, is wonderful, but taken out of context, it can just add some more pressures. And in the end, uh, even this idea of role reversals, um, and I'm not talking about, you know, macho man versus barefoot and pregnant, but I'm talking about sometimes there, the, the lines can be blurred when it comes to role reversals. And, and in the end, we don't really know what we're supposed to do, except we're supposed to do everything right? Um, and so I believe that we can, we can keep looking at all the things we're supposed to do and all the things that, you know, makes us a good mother and, and a good woman of God. But I think in the, at the end of the day, we need to look at what does the Bible say? And, and before we feel too sorry for ourselves for the pressures of 2016, I was actually looking at the biblical women because I thought, so what did a biblical woman do? Well, listen to this. Um, they had to gather water, that they had to carry, usually. Then they had to raise the kids, and usually they homeschooled their kids, right, because there was no school. Uh, Then they had to do the laundry with no washer or dryer. Uh, They had to milk the cow, churn the butter, grow the garden, cook food that they did not buy from the supermarket. They either raised their food or grew their food themselves. Um, And then they didn't only mend the clothes, but think about this. They had to raise the sheep, to shear the sheep, to get the wool, to spin the wool, to weave the material, to make the clothes so that they could mend them. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) I think they were quite busy, right? And they also had to be hospitable, ready to entertain at all times and do all things for all people. So my conclusion when I studied this whole concept of a biblical mother was this. It's never changed. We just do different things, right? Right? And I believe, wow, yeah, men, you can nod because it's true. (laughs) Um, The reality is that the role of a mother has always been complex. It just takes different forms throughout the ages. God charged women to be multitaskers and childbearers because he knew if he left it up to the men, (laughs) nothing would ever get done, and we would only have one child family household. (laughs) Are you guys with me? Yes, you would adopt. There would be no children in need of adoption because there would be lineups. All right. Pause and think about that. Anyhow, back to what I'm trying to say here. The lesson learned, I think, is that women, God made women to be able to handle large amounts of things all at once. But that's not the most important thing. I believe that the more important thing is not what we do or how many balls we can keep in there, how good we are at juggling and, and how many things we can multitask and I do more than you and you do more than me and we're a happy family, right? I don't think that's the most important. I think the more important thing is who we are because God cares a lot more about our character and who we are than what we can do. And so can I take the pressure off? If you can't do it all, it's all right. God is looking at who you are and who, who he made you and who he wants you to be. In Proverbs 31, probably the most famous passage describing a godly woman, uh, I'm not actually going to go through it today, but I just want to throw out a few words that describes a godly uh, woman and mother in this passage. It It describes her as priceless, as dependable. She seeks to do good deeds. She's productive. She's practical. She's attentive. She's a hard worker. She's caring. She's loving. And she's godly. See, I think we need to worry less about what we can do and more about who God wants us to be. And of course, in the Bible, oftentimes the value of a woman was tied to her ability to have children. But can I say today, whether you have kids or whether you don't have kids, God sees value in you for being you, 
because you're a daughter of the king, and for you men out there, you're a son of the king. And so you have value just by being you, and God loves you just for being you. And for those of you who have not been able to, to maybe have your own kids yet, or maybe ever, you know, God has given you a gift to be able to be a spiritual mother to, to someone, to be an influence to those around you to both spiritual and, and physical children. And if I can say this, there's no such thing as a perfect mother. But as Christians, I think that we need to continue to allow God to perfect us by the grace of God. But as a mom, you're invaluable to the kingdom of God because you're not just responsible for your own growth. You're influencing the next generation that will be tomorrow's leaders. And if we do it right, I believe that tomorrow's leaders can be today's leaders. Thank you for your underwhelming support. I believe that if we do this thing right, tomorrow's leaders can actually be today's leaders. Yeah, that's right. Uh, when I look at our kids' church, I don't see, you know, the next generation that one day will do great things for God. I see an army of kids that love Jesus and that are unashamed of, of faith in him that go out into their schools and amongst their friends, and they talk about Jesus. They talk about who he is. They talk about what he's done. And I'm telling you right now, if we can release our children to be who God has called them to be, then they can be a mighty army of leaders right now. Amen. Thank you. And so don't belittle your role in a child's life. Sometimes all they need is some encouragement, whether you're a mom or not. Our goal shouldn't just be to be a good mom. But I believe as women especially, or, or men, our, our goal should be to leave a legacy. And if I can say this, our, our little tagline on our logo says, Make your mark, leave a legacy. And can I say this? We all do leave a legacy. It just is a matter of what legacy we leave. So I want to leave a legacy of unconditional love. I want to leave a legacy of faith. I want to leave a legacy of believing that we serve a great God that can do great things. Amen. So, you know, some of you may have had great role models, and you're like, oh, I had a great mom, I had great parents, and they taught me great things. And and others may be sitting in here going, I have no clue what to do because the way I grew up, I didn't really have a lot to... um, to model myself after. But if I can say this, regardless of your past, God wants to do something great for your future. And so what you can do is you can cling to the Word of God and see what the Word of God says about you, and God will lead you into greatness. So I want to just quickly go through 12 things that God wants us to have. And I'm going to kind of just fly through these because I believe that, that if we can just, whether you're even a mom or not a mom, all these things can benefit us. So number one, discernment. Proverbs 15 verse 14 says this, the discerning heart seeks knowledge. I believe that we need to stay intimately connected with God so that we can keep a discerning heart. How many of you moms out there have needed some discernment and not just like seeing the obvious, but you need to go to God and say, okay, God, what's really going on here? See, God wants to develop in us a discerning heart. And the best way to do that is to stay literally intimately connected with God. And then we don't have knowledge just in our minds, but we have it in our hearts. And when it says that the discerning heart seeks knowledge, that word seeks literally means to, to be keen to learn knowledge, not just earthly knowledge, but, but knowledge that comes through reading the word of God. We need to also be willing to absorb truth for those around us. You know, one of the best things that we have ever done as parents is we have found great parents, and we've gone to them and said, what did you do? Would you tell us what you did 
as you were raising your children? Would you tell us what principles you put into place? Don't be afraid to seek out good role models and then learn from them and emulate them because the discerning heart will seek knowledge. And ultimately, when we seek God and his knowledge, God grants us discernment in the lives of our kids so that they may be well-trained, listen to this, not just in behavior, because that's external, but in their character, because that's their heart. And if I can say this, parenting a child's heart takes discernment. Anyone can correct behavior, but parenting your child's heart takes discernment and the wisdom of God. If I can just throw in a little nugget for parenting here as well, is teach your children to love doing what's right rather than fear doing what's wrong. Because then you're parenting their heart, and for that you will need discernment. Teach them to love what is right rather than fear doing what's wrong. Number two, unconditional love. 1 John 4.18 says this, there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love is unconditional. A mother who first and foremost loves God with all her heart isn't afraid to unconditionally love her children. It is so easy to love conditionally, right? Would you agree? That's the easy part. But it's the challenge from God to love unconditionally. And unconditional love breeds security in your child. They know that you're there. They know that bad behavior isn't going isn't to put your love at stake. But we want to make sure our children know that they are loved, regardless if they're good or not so good. <laughs> but unconditional love breeds security in our child. And our patience will be tried, right, by behaviors. Okay, okay, so no one has ever had kids out there, apparently. So our patience sometimes, because we have 17 of them, five really, but people say it looks like 17. But sometimes uh, our patience will be tried by challenges and behaviors, but it, our, it should never cause our love to regress in anger. Our kids need to always know that they're loved. And here comes my next little nugget, parenting nugget. At the end of the day, your, ch- your children will know that you love them if you show them this unconditional love. But can I tell you this? When you parent your children, don't just parent them to be loved by others. Parent them to be liked. Because people will love your children because it's the right thing to do. But as you're parenting their heart, teach them to know how to be liked. That was all for free. I threw that one in, no charge. Number three, joy. Are you guys awake this morning? You're looking at me going, huh? Okay, okay, good. I just want to make sure. <laughs> Is it that boring, really? Okay, number three, joy. Okay, Psalm 16, verse 11 says, In your presence, there is fullness of joy. We need to cultivate a joyful environment in our homes. Joy, not happiness, but joy that comes from God, from the presence of, of God, sustains us through difficult times that come from the world around us. This joy comes from his presence, not from our circumstances, not from accomplishments, not because your child was good or not good that day. There's a joy that can carry us through everything. And can I say this? Don't be afraid to have some fun. Be a little zany sometimes. Your kids will go, whoa, what's wrong with mom? (laughs) Right? But they love it, and it cultivates a joyful environment. As you can only imagine, we have some fun in our family because... You know, I have, really, I have six children. Cameron, uh, Cameron adds, uh, <laughs> Cameron, 
So can I, can I tell you something that happened a few years ago? So, yeah, okay, I didn't ask for permission to do this, but I'm going to do it anyways. So, um, so Cameron is a little zany, so at dinner time we were eating salad one day, and so he took the salad uh, dressing bottle, and he's like, you know, and doing all this stuff, and whatever, we didn't think much of it, because we kind of all ignore such behaviors as uh, completely normal. But it wasn't until we had company a few days later, and this is actually a few years ago, so Caleb was fairly little at the time, so we had we had kind of formal company, you know, that kind of company that you want to make a good impression with. So we're sitting around the table and our children are acting like little angels. And I'm like, oh, it's going so well. Yes, yes, this is good behavior. Until Caleb's like, can you pass the dressing, please? We're like, sure, here you go, Caleb. So he takes the dressing. He's like, ah, you know. We're like, oh, and they're like, oh, dear, wherever did you get that from? Daddy. Um, so, so, you know, don't be afraid to have some fun. Loosen up sometimes. It, Cameron always says, when we met, you should have seen Miss Prim and Proper over here. And he's like, yes, amen. Uh, but you know what? I, he has taught me to have fun. And it's a good thing. It's a great thing. And, uh, and it's wonderful. Number four, understanding. Psalm 111 verse 10 says, A good understanding and a teachable heart are possessed by all those who do the will of the Lord. Can I say this? Be teachable. It is so important because something will teach you. You just have to determine what it is that's going to teach you because we're all teachable to an extent. So you have to determine, is it going to be your past that lets it dictate to you what you're going to be like in the future? Is it going to be your role models, whether they're good or bad, or is it going to be the word of God? Because the word of God really holds the answer to this idea of understanding and having a teachable heart. And can I say this? If we're steadfast in the word of God, we will understand the will of God. So stay steadfast to the word of God, and then you will have the will of God in different situations. And can I say this? The best problem solver in your home is the word of God. If you allow God to give you a teachable and understanding heart. Don't just read the Bible. Talk about it. Talk about how it applies in your life. Number five, forgiveness. Matthew 6, 14 says, for if you forgive other people and they, when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. Um, offenses will come. That's the one thing we know. The Bible actually says offenses will come. Sometimes they come from within your house. Sometimes it comes from outside your home. But as a mom, especially, can I say this? Don't let bitterness hold you hostage until you feel better. But allow forgiveness to flow freely from your heart. If there's one thing you can model to your children, is this idea of a forgiving heart. When things come at you, release forgiveness. Because you're going to, if you model that behavior, then your kids will grow up and know that holding on to unforgiveness will never benefit any one of us. And model asking for forgiveness to your kids. You know, we all have moments, I think, if you're human, like the rest of us, we all have moments where we make little mistakes, right? But nothing breaks that tension as quickly as if you get down there and you say, you know what, mommy was wrong, daddy was wrong, shouldn't have said that, shouldn't have done that. Model forgiveness in your home. Number six, contentment. First Timothy 6, 6 says, now godliness with contentment is great gain. Can I say this? Resist the urge to be discontented with your surroundings, with your kids, or, or even with your husband. Because you can always find something that could be better, or you can find uh, someone that would make your life better. 
But if I can say this, at the end of the day, you can choose to find something better in all things. It's all perspective. And when we learn contentment, it breeds confidence, it breeds peace and joy in your home. And it says here that you need to embrace contentment. It's actually what it's talking about um, because it's great gain. You know, if we chase after stuff to get content, we'll never be satisfied, we'll never arrive. But if we allow God to give us that spirit of contentment, we have a whole other peace because it's not exhausting. Instead, trust God to provide all your needs and be content not just with what you have, but be content with who you are. God placed you in that home for a reason. I have one of my favorite uh, movies is Mom's Night Out. Anyone seen it? It's, no? Okay. Well, thank you. It's funny. But there's this deep moment that this big biker dude called Bones has with the main character. And he says this, you know, I doubt that the good Lord made a mistake when he gave your kids the mama that he gave them. So you just be happy being you. And, you know, if we could embrace that, God made you the mom that you are to your kids, even spiritual kids, right? Number seven, trust. Psalm 9 verse 10 says, those who, know, sorry, know, those who know your name trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. God will never forsake us. He'll never forget us. He'll never leave us. But we need to seek him, this verse says. Those who know you, in other words, those who pursue you, trust in you. Because you'll never forsake those who seek you. If we truly know him, then we'll trust him even during the most difficult seasons of our lives. See, temptation will always be there to doubt that God is in control when hardships come. But we need to trust his ability not just to take care of us, but to take care of our family, to take care of our loved ones. Because how many know if we just try to do it all ourselves, we are not going to do such a great job. But we need to entrust God that you are in control, you have a future, you have a plan, you have a purpose for me and for my family. So I'm going to trust you no matter what. Number eight, faithfulness. Proverbs 28, 20 says, a faithful person will be richly blessed. Have you ever felt tried and tested in your role as a wife and mom? Okay, thank you. We have a couple of honest people. For the rest of you, we'll have an altar call after, and uh, we'll, we'll pray for you, okay? And, uh, or not. I'm, I'm so glad. I have so many good role models that have it all together. Um, but the reality is that sometimes we feel tested, and, and our faith, the reality is our faith will always be tested. But it says a faithful person will be richly blessed. So when those tests come, we need to be full of faith, because that makes us faith. And so allow God to take those uh, moments in your life that you're going through. When you're going through testings, when you're going through trials, allow God literally to take you deeper so that you can anchor yourself in the Word of God because it is ultimately the Word of God, not your experience, that will hold you steadfast and faithful. Amen? Amen. Number nine, diligence. Diligence. 
Proverbs 31.27 says, She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. I believe that this woman that Proverbs 31 is talking about is diligent to bring order to chaos. Have you ever had those moments? Uh, so I have five kids, so I'll give you a scenario. That could possibly happen if you have five kids. So you're, you know, those moments of complete chaos when you are, you know, something is boiling over on the stove while the baby is crying over there. You are on the phone trying to have a serious conversation with someone while your toddler pulled the cat's tail and the cat now bit your toddler while someone else spilled milk on the floor. And then your other child comes over and tries to wipe up the milk and makes a bigger mess. And, okay, so, so you've never had those moments. Maybe you haven't had the privilege of having many children. Um, but those moments happen, and there may be chaotic moments in your life. I don't know what they are. But in that moment, God is calling us not to freak out and flip out, but to say, okay, how can I bring order to this chaos and allow God to take control and not be stressed out by what's going on around us? And can I say this? The chief concern of a godly woman isn't having a perfect home, rather a home full of love, peace, and laughter. And so don't be afraid to, in those moments, kind of laugh it off and remove those uh, feelings of, I can't do it, and allow God to come in, even in those situations. And can I say this? A godly mom, I think, is not just removing clutter from your home will help, help bring order, but remove the extras, the spiritual clutter. Sometimes we get our lives so full of stuff that really don't matter that we create our own chaos. So simplify, simplify, simplify. Number 10, righteousness. Matthew 13, 43 says, The righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. We need to have the courage to make decisions, tough decisions that run against the torrent of society's corruption of our kids. We need to have courage to stand up. Hold on to what is right in the eyes of God for your children's spiritual, emotional, and physical well-being. Expect resistance. And listen to this. Refuse to compromise righteousness for acceptance. Um, Refuse to resist. uh, Sorry, refuse to compromise righteousness for acceptance. And then number 11, hope. Romans 5.5, 5, hope does not disappoint. Psalm 127 says that kids are a heritage, they are a gift, they are a reward from God. And so can I say this? We have hopes and dreams for our kids, but God has even greater hopes. God has even greater dreams. He's got even greater plans. And hope does not disappoint. So when you are looking at your kids and you go, okay, I can't really see the promise right now, hold on to the hope that God is in control, that God has a plan, that God has a purpose, and that he He will bring it to pass in your children. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Because God has a promise for you and for your family. So we need to see the promise. Parent your child's heart and allow God to do the rest. And can I say this? Be willing to release your kids to God. Sometimes we think if we control them into the right behavior, that's going to help. But can I say release your kids to God. Parent their heart and trust that God is in control. Center your influence and persuasion around God's will for your child more than your own personal preference for their future. And the last one, number 12. Luke 18, verse 1. Sorry, it's persistence in prayer. Luke 18, verse 1 says this. They should always pray and not give up. You know, it doesn't say just pray. 
It says, pray and do not give up. Pray and do not give up. How many could use that kind of prayer life for your kids and for your families where you pray and you don't give up? How many have prayed and you feel like giving up? Uh huh. But the Bible says, pray and do not give up. Keep pursuing, keep praying, keep doing. Because God can use mothers. So many times we feel like giving up, but God wants us to be persistent. He wants us to fight our battles, not with people, but in our war room when we are praying and believing God for the greatness that He has. A believing mom never gives up on her children, even if they are prodigals. A believing mom will keep praying even when circumstances and things say that you should give up. See, people will write off a difficult child, but not a praying mother. If you're going through challenges with your kids, remember that God is greater. God is greater than what you're seeing right now. And so remember that a praying mother can move mountains. She will plead the grace and mercy of God over her child's life as long as there is breath in her body. This kind of mother is compelled and encouraged by the Holy Spirit to keep praying no matter what. Because this kind of mother sees the seed of greatness in her children and not the dirt that sometimes covers the seed. But this mother sees the seed of greatness. And in conclusion, I was just thinking about mothers and about how influential they are. And I think of my mom. I don't know where I would be without my mom. She has been there through thick and thin, through everything. She has always been there for me. I think of my, my mother-in-law. I don't know where we'd be without her. I've, I thought about all the biblical mothers and what they did. And then I thought about mothers in our day and age. Like, I don't know about, uh, if you've heard the name Ben Carson. Ben Carson that ran in the state. Okay. Yeah? Okay. Well, did you know that Ben Carson came from the Detroit ghetto? And he actually was completely failing school. He was getting not just Fs, but he was like, he couldn't even do grade school. And it was his mom, who was illiterate, that kept saying, Ben, you can do this. Ben, there's something more in you. Ben, you are greater than what you're seeing. And she kept pushing him and pushing him and pushing him. And look at where he's come to today. For those of you who don't know, he is one of the most leading um, pediatric brain surgeons in our world today. And it was his mother that kept believing in him, pushing, and, pushing him, and praying for him. Billy Graham said this, of all the people I've ever known, my mother had the greatest influence on me. I found this quote, and I'm going to close with this quote. It says this, some of Christian history's greatest preachers, theologians, and missionaries owe their first fruits of their ministries, not to their exegetical insights, homilistic abilities, or spiritual zeal, but instead to the faithful prayers of their godly mothers. In the lives of countless Christians throughout the ages, God has often granted second birth as a result of those who gave them their first. Thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from Impact Church. We hope and trust that this message encouraged you. If you want to find out more information about our church, check us out online at www.impactkingston.com. 